So my name is Dr. Martin Aboud. I'm a, a Lebanese expat now for the past seven years. I did my PhD at the University of Oxford in chemical biology, whereby I have worked on antibiotic resistance, on how we sense oxygen, which has recently uh, won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine of 2019. And more recently, I have been involved in work on metabolic enzymes that are involved in brain cancer. For this work, I have won multiple awards and recognition on the international scene that included being named in the periodic table of elements as the elementarium, for instance, to celebrate 150 years of the periodic table. And along that work, I have explored so many different areas that interested me, aside from biology and chemistry, and this has been on the entrepreneurial landscape. So I have been involved in different initiatives across the University of Oxford and Cambridge to work with different companies and startups to help them establish themselves and reach better potential basically via training and skill development. For that purpose, I have also like co-founded a company that helps with skill development for entrepreneurial uh, startups. And I have been acknowledged with different awards on that level, plus my research work, including via being named on Forbes 30 under 30 for Europe and healthcare and science. So yeah. And here I am today because I really believe in this initiative that you guys, Hadi, Lilia, and Mahmoud, are bringing together in Simply Youth. It's honestly very funny and sad that all your recognition is on a global level, not in like Lebanon, like Lebanon wide. Do you, have you ever been recognized by your own country? Have you ever felt that your own country wanted to support you in one way? You know, it is, um, it is, yeah, happy and sad at the same time. So personally, I have never looked for recognition from any place. You know, recognition just happened as a result of hard work and whatever work I have put into what I have been doing because I was so passionate about it. Of course, like as any person, you would enjoy being recognized because it brings like such a warm feeling to your heart, really. And however, I haven't really looked into being recognized in my country. I have been somehow mentioned in different like news articles, or I have been on like one or two uh, radio broadcasts. Uh, however, yeah, it wasn't wider than that. And I think this is also because in Lebanon, unfortunately, we put a lot of focus on politicians and politics and so on, more than we actually value the advances in, in science and technology and the people who are involved in such advances. And you can easily observe that even in, in the way that they were covering the explosions recently, putting more attention to what politicians were saying and doing versus actually putting attention on the victims of that explosion and telling their stories, which I think they deserved more recognition on that level. You, would, you can see some shift in the behavior. However, I don't think we're near what's enough to actually acknowledge our youth and all the people, not, not just me, but like 
or the Lebanese expats and even those who are in Lebanon who are achieving against all odds of, of what's probable. So yeah, it does make me sad. However, I don't wait for the recognition to keep my work and my passion going because it is just beyond what I'm looking for. Yes, exactly. I mean, we, we were saying that if Lebanon put like even half of the attention on youth that it does on politicians, how, how much more opportunities would we would have today? And um, so we wanted to ask you, why did you choose to study um, chemistry and biology especially? Why didn't you choose the whole um, pre-med track that most Lebanese um, teens going to the university tend to choose? Yeah, this is an excellent question, Lilia. So uh, initially, I started by uh, going through the pre-medical track. And I wanted at some point to become a medical doctor. However, I realized that being a medical doctor is not the most suited for me because I didn't want to be the person prescribing the medicine. I wanted to be the person who was actually doing the drug development process and like discovering the new medicine for difficult diseases. And I started by studying biology, as I mentioned. However, along the way, I have come to realize that biology cannot provide me with what I have wanted to achieve. And that would be to be more on the chemistry side as well, to be able to do the drug development process, design the drugs, think about how small molecules interact with proteins, how we can look at the different biological systems and track them and label them and so on. And this is why I, I kept doing the biology program, but I have also seeked a new knowledge in chemistry. And I decided to be, you know, doubly majoring somehow in both fronts. And when I went to Oxford, I chose my PhD program to be in both biology and chemistry, and this is why it's called chemical biology. And it really allows you to do like the protein-drug development uh, interactions and studies. And for me, that was super uh, exciting and nurturing, really, because it allowed me to, to look at different diseases, let's say antibiotic resistance, for example, from a new perspective to look at how antibiotics are interacting with different proteins, but also how we can develop a new antibiotics that bacteria are not going to be resistant against, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting field, and it's actually very common. Um, right here you see some people that um, actually want to like do bio biochemistry but then uh, they feel like peer pressure parents pressure they go to medicine but somehow both are equally important now um, I have a follow-up question like you mentioned yeah. the opportunities available in, in Lebanon um, how would you describe um, the research opportunities that are available here and do you feel that it is possible to return to Lebanon and establish your career here? All right. So first of all, I will start by commenting on your comment actually. 
and that is you know many people you, as, as you said will have peer pressure or family pressure or whatever you want to call it really to, to be pursuing specific professions medical doctor is one of them we also hear a lot of you know talks around you know if you're a medical doctor if you're an engineer if you're in the army then you really made it in Lebanon and I think this is so wrong from a society perspective because there are so many different majors and opportunities and the tracks that you can go through that do not necessarily involve these three tracks. Of course, these are important. However, they are not like the only ones that are available. You can be contributing, you know, to satellite developments or, you know, you can be a financial investigator. And there are so many tracks that we don't even mention or have awareness that they actually exist. And that's very sad. But on that front, I don't only partially blame schools, I don't only blame uh, families and society in general, I partially also blame schools for that because I don't believe we have a proper orientation programs at schools that really allow you to, to have a broad understanding of one, what are the majors that are available? Two, what is the job market need? Because you might know that all of these markets exist, but what are the needs of our particular market or the international markets? We don't have a proper study from a governmental perspective that really allows us to know what are the opportunities waiting for us in these particular um, tracks. Three, the, these majors have much bigger applications than what's available in Lebanon. So if you are, let's say, a like a telecom engineer, for instance, in Lebanon you might be working in Ogero and so on, but you can also be like a satellite engineer, you can also be like working on rocket development and so on. So there are wider markets and opportunities than what the majors are available for. On that note, I think we need better orientation in our school and we need from a government to have like better market studies and three, we need to have, we need to go out as people and just talk to others, talk to people who are working as whatever, a financial engineer, for example, or investigator, ask them what does it mean, how does the financial system around us work, what is it like to be uh, what is it like to spend one day as a financial investigator? What are the ups and downs of that job? What are the challenges of that job? We need to be as well more proactive ourselves and have better access to these examples so we can establish a better understanding of what major we want to go in instead of just you know going through the major like de facto just because this is what we did, we are going to continue doing this for the rest of our lives. Sorry, that was a long comment on your comment, but I thought that uh, it was a quite important point to make. So regarding your question about the research scene in Lebanon, of course, uh, the research scene in Lebanon, I mean, we are working on that. Whenever we talk research, we also need to talk about funding. Funding opportunities are so, super important in research. You need the right uh, funding, which usually consumables for instruments to be really able to do research. In Lebanon, we don't see a lot of emphasis from 
the government itself or even NGOs to to have a specific budget set for uh, for research. This is why in this case you don't see that research is as prosperous in Lebanon as it is in other parts of the world like the UK, the US, or even smaller countries. We don't lack any smart brains. We don't lack smart people and smart researchers who are fully capable of doing research, who have had proper trainings either in Lebanon or outside of Lebanon to be actually doing the research itself. What we are lacking are the, the funding for it and the facilities to be able to do better research. However, what I really feel is that the training and the expertise are there. And this is mostly because of people who have uh, had the trainings outside of Lebanon and then brought back their expertise to Lebanon. And this is definitely something that is very high on my list. I would definitely want to come back to Lebanon, establish my lab over there, and start doing research over there because I do love my country regardless of all the issues that you can see around. I really believe in the youth of, of my country. And I believe that they are the future of Lebanon itself. And if we don't put enough training and and the skill exercises and so on in them to help them and support them, then hope that we will ever achieve any change in this matter. Yeah. She raised a very good point about the lack of resources. So can you describe your transition from university? You're a proud LAU alumni, right? How would you describe yes. your transition from university where there isn't that much emphasis on research to spend a full-on career in research. Was it hard? Do you think that you needed a, a better training on that in university and even in high school? Okay, yeah. So, in, um, at LAU specifically, uh, we had a quite a good focus on research, which was way more than what you might get in other universities. Uh, I mean, I don't have an experience in other universities to compare, you know, with uh, objectively. But I'm just saying, depending on what I have heard from colleagues who were in, in other universities. So we did have an emphasis on research. When I went to Oxford, I didn't feel that I was, you know, taken by surprise. I knew exactly what I was expecting. Uh, we had uh, professors who uh, really guided us uh, via specific research tracks, but also into reading the research literature. Uh, like reading different articles, preparing for a uh, like a senior study that was like a course that we had uh, to go through in our final year, where you have to spend a year doing research and submitting a thesis at the end of it. So I had an idea of what I was signing up for. Of course, Oxford is like a world-class university and depending on which ranking you are looking at, Oxford has been ranked, you know, number one for the past, I don't know, five years or so in biological research. So you cannot really compare the resources that are found at Oxford to any other university that is not really Ivy League or Russell Group universities. So of course there was a big difference on that level, but it was kind of expected, to be honest. I was not surprised to see that. And I got 
via hard work and like long nights of training myself and getting training from other people who are more experienced than me at the lab to, to get to know, you know, the different equipments, how they work, how to uh, operate each one of them, how to do your, re your research and so on. And based on critical skills and like critical thinking skills, I mean, you you get to where you are today and I'm very proud that now you know I am leading a group at the university and for me this is like a long way from uh, seven eight years ago when I first arrived to Oxford and this can only be achieved by not only the resources being available but also by you as an individual and the researcher working on yourself and on your skills to develop yourself and never being just content with whatever you have, always wanting to, to achieve more, being ambitious, and wanting to like work harder and get to achieve better. But did you feel it was hard for a Lebanese student to be accepted in such a prestigious university? But the like, uh, kids from other countries have much more resources, resources and opportunities to gain from. Meanwhile, in Lebanon, we don't have that much experience, so that might be, make it harder for us to be accepted abroad. So how was your experience being accepted and all that? Yeah, so I think there are three different components to it. The first component is actually your individual ability. So for instance, in my case, I graduated from high school among you know, the, the top 10 in Lebanon in life sciences and then I went to LAU having uh, like a full medical scholarship and so on. I did some research so I had a publication as well. So I had a very good CV that would really allow me to be competitive on the international level and I think as students we need to be more aware of what we need actually to make ourselves more competitive whether that is a research experience, whether that is like a good GPA, or like outreach activities, extracurricular activities, and so on. So the first component is actually your individual uh, characteristics that will make you uh, competitive on the international level. The second component to it is the know-how. The know-how is actually knowing how to present yourself how to write your CV, how to write your application, your statement of purpose, all of these things. Because even if you are, you know, the most brilliant individual with whatever GPA, and you don't know how to present yourself, how to write your statement of purpose in a very compelling way that is convincing to the people reading it, then it's very hard for you to make your case. So this is where I feel that universities and schools could be doing a much better job at actually teaching students how they can put together a, like a strong case, whether it is via the application, the statement of purpose, the CV, and so on. The third component, which I think is the most difficult component, is actually the financials. So even if you get accepted, which was my case, initially, I, I got accepted, I had the acceptance from the University of Oxford, but I didn't have the scholarship, so I had to apply to different uh, NGOs or societies to get a scholarship. And this is where sometimes your financial capability, I don't come from a rich family, 
and this is where you know your financial status can can play a big role so even if you are accepted because you are qualified you might still not get it because of you know the, the lack of the financial resources so applying for scholarships is tricky and you will you will come to see that scholarships are less available to Lebanese students and there are they are available to like EU students for example or to Saudi students uh, Qatari students and so on one because the EU itself has different schemes for their people because most scholarships are made of taxpayers money which makes sense two because like other governments like whether it is the American one or the Saudi or whatever have scholarships to support their students and we don't have many scholarships for Lebanese students and the government doesn't have equivalent schemes and this is where I feel that we can also do much better whether it is on the governmental level or on the university level to also make students more aware and capable of placing a strong application to allow them to actually get good financial support. Yeah, yeah. we agree. And, and opportunities in Lebanon are very limited. So do you know any specific or have any specific opportunities that you think young Lebanese um, youth should look for? Do you mean on the scholarship level or on the acceptance yes. level or like? Yeah, at, at like for the transition from high school to university. So for the transition from high school to university, you would observe different, uh, different schemes. There, there is, for example, the MEPI scheme, which is available, um, for example, to, to people going to LAU and some other American universities. There are also other schemes that are put together uh, to support the students from public schools to go into private universities in Lebanon. Uh, on the other hand, if you want to go from undergrad to graduate schools in other counties, this is where it can get more tricky because you are competing on the international scheme in this case. There are uh, different countries that provide different um, programs, for example in Germany, most of the training is for free. You only need to get accepted. Acceptance is very competitive, but once you get accepted, most of the programs are free of charge. In the UK, it's not the case. It really depends on the program you are going for. Most of them are quite expensive, but you can apply for scholarships. There is, for example, the Rhodes Scholarship that started becoming available to students from Lebanon, Jordan, Syria, and Palestine just as of 2018 or 2019, if I'm not mistaken. So this is one opportunity for students. There is also the Saeed Foundation um, scholarship that is also available to people from Lebanon to come to the UK. However, this is like major specific. Most interests um, are for like people in political science, uh, some of it in pharmacology and so on, but most of it is on the politics, uh, side, social sciences side of things. So there are different opportunities. It really depends on one which country you are going for. For example, for the US, you have the Fulbright uh, scholarships. So what you need to do is to have like a, like a table, really, 
putting in it everything in terms of which country you are interested in, what is the major you are interested in, and how uh, you are going to, to get there. What do you need? What are the requirements and the prerequisites for each scholarship? What are the deadlines? So that you have everything clear in front of you, and then you can decide exactly what you should be applying for and how you should be applying for it. And of course, all of these scholarships are quite competitive, but as, as I previously said, we are not lacking in terms of brains. We have all the ability to apply to all of these things. We just need to know and understand how we put all of this together in the most compelling way. Obviously, say Lebanon has never been a stable country. So from your time here and today's youth, Lebanon has never been stable. So if you could give any advice to your younger high school self who wants to go to university right now, what would that advice be? What would you tell her? I would always tell her what I have, you know, told myself throughout the years, to try as much as possible to, for, for your own career to, like, disconnect from all the things that are happening around you as much as you can. I know it's a very difficult thing to say and it's easier said than done, but as much as you try to disconnect from, you know, all the, the problems and the corruption and the misery that is happening, then you can be more focused on, on the science itself. Of course, that being said, it doesn't mean to disconnect on the humanitarian level. Of course, it's quite important to be involved on that side, to be... Uh, to be helping, to be contributing as much as you can. But from a career perspective, don't let anything that happens stop you from studying, from, you know, going uh, to your courses the way you would always do, whether it is via Zoom or, you know, in real life, and to take the best advantage you can from education because education is really the only weapon that you need in life and it is the only weapon that, like, no one can take from you. So whatever you do, whatever you feel, whatever is happening around you, of course, like, sometimes it's not the case if you lost a loved one. But as much as you can, try to, to keep the focus on education because it is the only, you know, winning card that can take you anywhere in the world. And you are always guaranteed a job. And even if you can't find a job, you can create one if you have the right tools to do so, if you are equipped with your education and your skills to actually start your own business. And this is why I more recently got involved in more entrepreneurial uh, things and entrepreneurial training, not because it's buzzy and trendy and, yeah, it seems nice to be an entrepreneur. This is absolutely not the case. But it's all about creating opportunities and creating your own work that you can make available to others and really, you know, lift them up and lift yourself up in the process. So can you expand more on the merge between research and entrepreneurship? Uh, from your experience, how did you transition from research to entrepreneurship? What elements do you need in order to succeed in this domain? Yeah. So, in my case, I haven't really transitioned from um, research to entrepreneurship. I have more merged both of them together. So instead of transitioning, it was more of like just bringing both of them. 
and I think it's quite important to do so because you might find the most exciting results and then if you can if you just you know write a publication which is quite important for your development as a scientist however just write a publication put it somewhere people might or might not read it but then what impact are you really doing on people's lives today on their di direct like everyday life that would be very little and you can only achieve that by having a direct impact on people's life through more entrepreneurial initiatives, through actually contributing, whether it is via your research, bringing a, a medicine that you have discovered, uh, creating a startup and bringing it into market via clinical trials, or whether it is via uh, contributing in the teaching itself of the skills of the capacities that you would need to achieve and start a service, for example, because uh, many times we are just lacking services. We might have uh, very good hospitals, but the communication between them might be very poor. So over here we have an opportunity to create a centralized database system, for example, where you have the details of the patients accessible to any doctor anywhere in the country. This will really allow you, instead of like whenever you go and meet with the doctor every time for the first time, they will ask you like thousands of questions or if you are in an emergency situation where you are unconscious and you cannot really tell them what what is your state, what are your clinical needs, if you have allergies to specific medicine, etc. If there is access to a central database, then they can look up anything about you in a matter of seconds and then you are guaranteed to get the best uh, possible health so many things, whether it's a small service somewhere or whether it is like introducing a new medicine into the market, bringing both the business side, entrepreneurial side, and the research side and the know-how together will really make you, you know, go much uh, wider. Not for the purpose of just succeeding or making money, no but rather it's all about making a social impact, making an impact that really you would like to be remembered with. I don't want to, to die and not being remembered with having had a legacy in terms of making a real social impact that actually matters. Exactly. I really do feel throughout your career you have always emphasized humanitarian work and kindness, and I really do hope that Lebanese expats try as much as possible to mentor Lebanese students here and like, so they can learn from their own skills. And I really do wish that one day you can see someone as specialized as you who knows about the humanitarian crisis, especially in the medical field that wants to see you like, in the Ministry of Health helping Lebanese people. So we really thank you very much for taking the time to help us and even guide Lebanese youth especially those who want to pursue a career in chemical biology and research and entrepreneurship. So really thank you so much and I really do hope that you can come back to Lebanon one day, to a better Lebanon where you're actually recognized and you're given a position of uh, power. You can actually put proper policies to help fix the, the health sector here at home. Do you, do you guys have any further questions? Have, do you have any comments on the current coronavirus situation, um, especially in Lebanon? 
how we should handle, what kind of policies should be put in the situation. I don't know if it's secure, dark expertise, but what kind of health policies should be take place, especially in Lebanon? What kind of gaps do you think there are? So in general, you know, the, the corona virus has been, you know, as you know, a pandemic and it has affected so many countries in different ways. In the United Kingdom, that initially, they initially started with adopting a herd immunity approach, which consisted of not wanting to, to impose any lockdown, but to just let people go out and about and, and see what would happen. And this has turned out to be a very, uh, like, wrong approach. This is why they decided to change and impose proper lockdown measures. And I think from that perspective, having a proper lockdown is so important at the moment to reduce the transmission of the virus. And that could, this also means that whenever you're around someone, you should be at least two meters away and masks are highly recommended to be worn, even though there were conflicting reports about wearing masks. All the recent studies show that actually wearing a mask is super important to reduce uh, the transmission. So all of these together really suggest that we should be quite careful in the way we handle it, because it's not just like a traditional um, thing that will happen it's really like a, like a proper pandemic that has cost so many lives. What I also think we should be doing uh, more efficiently is, is, to, is especially for people to take this thing more seriously. What has been really bugging me is how many fake articles and how much fake information and fake news you observe all over the place. People suggesting that if you if you wear a mask, then you will die because masks don't let don't let oxygen in. And when I read this, I was like, seriously. So if this is the case, then like every medical doctor after a surgery, they should die because <laughs> like if, if the mask doesn't you know let the oxygen in and so on. So many fake news also about the vaccines and like the use of vaccines and so on. We need as young educated people to like really raise awareness about all of these issues what is happening and be vocal about the right things the correct truth and just go and make our voice heard much higher and louder than than those of the fake news this is what i think we should be doing better whether it is in lebanon or on the international scene, to be honest.